Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we're talking with Meredith about her journey with infertility and a healthy pregnancy. You'll want to make sure you tune in next week as well as we're sharing her birth story. So this is part one of two. I also want to mention that this series is particularly special for us because Meredith is the first mom from our Mummy Mentorship Program to share her story with you. She's gladly volunteered, and we have a few others who have told us they'd be happy to share their experiences as well. If you're new to the podcast, our Mummy Mentorship Program is our low-cost membership that guides you from your pregnancy through your first year of motherhood. Our amazing group of ladies share experiences, encourage each other, and lend a listening ear when you need it. Katie and I go live every Wednesday in our private Facebook group. It's basically a live podcast where you can see and interact with us. And if you can't make it live, you can catch the replay. We have our amazing guest expert masterclasses, as well as our monthly information guides with a wealth of knowledge of everything you need to know when you need to know it. All of this to support you on your journey into motherhood. If you'd like more information, you can find it at bestlifemomsclub.com or to sign up, go directly to mummymentorship.com. With that, here's the episode. So one thing that like, I know just like in commerce in like talking with you is that you've mentioned and alluded to you having a fertility journey and a fertility struggle, but I don't know exactly like what the details are. What was your fertility journey? Sure. So, um, in October of 2017, I stopped taking the pill. We had always knew we wanted kids, but we weren't like really quite there yet. So I just stopped taking the pill. And then I think in March of 2018, we like officially started trying, um, but I wasn't tracking anything and it was really like casual and not really thinking much about it. And then by the summer, I was kind of like, oh, this is weird. I'm going to start paying attention a little bit more. So I was taking my temperature and just like tracking when I was ovulating and that sort of thing and trying not to stress about it, which is nice in theory, but is <laughs> so nice. Hard. I know it's so nice in theory to like be like, yeah, I'm just not going to stress, but yeah, it's going to be fine. And then I had sort of heard, I knew like you have to be trying for a year um, before your doctor will refer you in Ontario. So by the spring of 2019, I guess I was kind of like, ah, I better make an appointment. Like still nothing has happened. Who told you that you had to wait a year? That's a good question. I don't know. Okay. I, it was just a thing I heard. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I was told, I, I was under the impression of the same thing. And I thought that with me too, like I had, we had to be trying for a year before we could be referred to a fertility specialist. But then when we got to the clinic, I explained like, this is how long we've been trying. And the fertility doctor said, no, that's not the case. He said like, you can, that's a very old way of thinking and you can be, go to a fertility experience, like a fertility clinic within months and you should be going like he said it's very outdated yeah. making fam like making couples wait a year because it's lost time totally and that makes like i guess yeah i wish we'd been able to go sooner like i probably should have asked but i just didn't because i had heard this like you have to wait a year exactly um, but I, my family doctor yeah yeah yeah. My family doctor was like, oh yeah, we'll just send you right up to um, a fertility clinic in this, like in the same building that my doctor was in. He's like, no problem. Oh, okay. Um, so we did that. So that was, I think we got in to see the fertility doctor in August of 2019. Um, so the first month is just like a lot of blood work and a lot of tracking um, your cycle. And I had blood work and Brendan, my husband had blood work. Um, he actually did a lot more than I did at the beginning, which was, I was surprised. Um, and he had to give his sample for them <laughs> to look at. Always, um, always, always fun. Like, I just remember yeah. Peter's sample, like giving sample was just like the most stressful thing ever because it was, I don't know about Brenda's, but like I wasn't, I was, I was at the cottage when it was happening and we literally got a phone call saying, uh, your husband needs to provide a sample and we need it like now. And so like, <laughs> there were no clinics around that were willing to like take the sample. He did the sample and then had to drive it to Mississauga. So he had to drive it like 45 minutes away with, and it's, oh once you have a sample, you have an hour window of it mm -hmm. at room temperature so that it's still viable. <laughs> and so he did the sample, had it in the cup, and then he drove with it under in his armpit to keep it because you have to keep it at body temperature as well because yeah. you can't let it cool. Oh my so gosh. he drove, was flying, and he made it by minutes. And he was like, literally, I have, like, he said, I the sample came at this time, and this is like three or four <laughs> minutes windows to get there because he hit traffic, and it was the most stressful thing ever. So, like, I hope Brendan's was a little less stressful Although I feel like a sample that, is always stressful. Sorry, what's the purpose of the sample? Yeah, they're testing like motility and um, something else. Amount, yeah. probably. I don't know. There's, um, yeah, the amount and the motility and like the um, abnormality level, like how many like yeah. double headed sperms there are and mm -hmm. the actual swimmers, the ones that are viable, like. They completely yeah. give you a ratio to see if you have a low count, a mm -hmm. high count, an unhealthy count. Um, there's, they totally just explore every aspect of all the semen. So they're just mm -hmm. trying to and see where the fertility like problem or issue is, right? Like why exactly. you're not getting pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Totally. So Brennan sample, like that, that first one's just like a test um, came back average like no problems 
everything was just fine, which was good. Um, and his blood work came back fine. So basically everything with him was good. Um, the, so I, and then I had to do a lot more tests. So blood work, um, you get a transvaginal ultrasound every like three or four days, I think in the beginning. You are so like professional and you're saying, I used to call it a poking probe. Every two days I would yeah, go well. for my blood work. <laughs> I'd go for my blood work yeah. and then I'd go for a probe, like a poking probe every two days. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot. And like they track when you're ovulating, track like it's crazy. And like the first time I went, the clinic I went through had their own dedicated ultrasound tech and she like gave me a tour of my uterus and like showed me everything and like talked me through and she was like now I'm counting follicles now I'm doing this so I learned a lot about my anatomy <laughs> um so we did that like so they track that for a month track like your cycle um when you're ovulating that sort of thing um and they tell you like go home and have sex right now. This is the day. So you do that the first time and I didn't get pregnant. Um, but they told me that some people do get pregnant. Like they just have been timing it wrong. Basically there's no fertility issue, but, um, they just have the timing wrong, but that wasn't the case for us. And so after that whole month, um, then I had to do, I think it's called a sonohistogram, which they basically put saline solution. Yeah. Um, they shoot it up there to see if you're um, fallopian tubes are open is what they're checking for. Now, Katie will appreciate this. Mine was, they only do them once a month. First day of school. Mine too! 7 a.m. Mine yeah. too! Mine was the first yeah. day of school at like one o'clock and I had to take a half day and they thought that I had quit. That is, <laughs> that is crazy. Mine was the first yeah. day too. So I was actually able to be at school because I said to them I was like um that's like the biggest day of like school I can't miss it and they're like okay well can you come before school we we can do it at seven and I was like I guess so I went to like went to the clinic and had it um it's not a fun experience it's no. like cramping it yeah. hurt it hurt yeah, no, I went by myself. It was the first day of school. I forgot to take the pain meds that they gave, that I was told to take beforehand because it was the first day of school. And I got there and then like, because what you're exactly right. Like they clamp you open and then shoot you full of this like blue saline solution. Yeah. And as you're laying on the x-ray table with your cervix clamped open, they take x-rays. So like, yeah, it, it's not comfortable yeah. at all. No. Um, and Brendan is also a teacher, so he couldn't come with me because he's a high school teacher. So he starts even earlier. So I was just by myself. And I actually, that year was starting at a new school. So I didn't know anybody. So I just like came to school like, ah, first day. <laughs> Yay. Um, so that test was really important for us because it showed that I was my right fallopian tube was blocked so I wasn't ovulating every other month essentially that'll make a huge difference right like oh, you only well, one fallopian tube yeah. working yeah. yeah it essentially like cuts the amount of time you've been trying in half right because mm. every other month 
nothing was happening. Um, and that's also when the doctor said based on based on the Sonia histogram and a few other things that he suspected I had endometriosis. Um, but he's like, I can't really confirm because the only way to get like a true confirmation is to do exploratory surgery, which we're not going to do. Like, there's not really a point to that. So we're just going to operate on this like idea that you have endometriosis and that would, that explains sort of maybe why you're struggling and all this. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, great. I don't really know what to do with that information, but all right. Um, I'm trying to think. So then so that was August sort of into September. So then in October and November, we did medicated timed um, intervention. So what that means is on the first day of my cycle, I would call the clinic, go in. I like Katie's term of poke and probe, go in and do that. And then I would start taking medication to trigger ovulation. Um, and so there was a pill I had to take and then I had to give myself um, like an injection into my stomach. Um, and that would like, encourage follicles to grow and then um i would take a different needle to sort of um trigger ovulation and so um, my body responded really well to that and so they would say like starting today and every day for the next three days you have to have sex um and the first month i remember seeing on the ultrasound I had really big um, follicles and, and lots of them and they were measuring big so I was feeling like oh this is good uh, but I didn't get pregnant and then the second month I had less and they were smaller and I remember my mom being like you don't know like you're not an ultrasound tech and I was like true but I understand how numbers work like four is less than five and the measurements were smaller but okay <laughs> um yeah, so I didn't, I didn't get pregnant either of those times. So then we met with the doctor again and he said, so based on what he was seeing, he said, you guys are most likely um, not going to get pregnant until we do IVF, um, which wow. was kind of a bummer. Um, but he said, but we can try one round of IUI, which is interuterine insemination. insemination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in Ontario, IVF procedures, but not meds, are covered by OHIP, but IUI isn't. So IUI is how fertility clinics, clinics make their money. So I was pretty sure he was telling us the truth that he didn't think it was going to work if he was only suggesting we do one round because he would make, they would make more money if they were like, yeah, we'll just keep trying IUI. So I had really low um, expectations for IUI. Apparently IUI is only like 20% successful best case scenario. Yeah. It's not a very effective, uh, the, the success rate, like you said, is not very high. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's like for the, it, it works for a couple who just needs like that little extra push, mm -hmm. but that isn't always the case. And it, like you said, it does have a lower rate because you're leaving it up to the sperm making it to the, and finding the egg. For sure. Um, so I also didn't realize this, but like IUI is what people colloquially, colloquially refer to as the turkey baster method. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in December, we started doing 
that. Um, so again, first, like first day of my cycle, go in, do that. And I think because that month was IUI, I was going every other day. Um, so before school and taking the meds and doing all of that and needles and it was so many. And then I remember basically the day, the way my days worked out in the cycle, um, I was going to need the IUI procedure on Christmas day. So they were like, mm, just kidding. This whole month's a wash. Like we're not open that day. No. Yeah. And we didn't figure that out till like the 21st of December or 22nd of December. So I had been like taking all the meds and doing all the needles and it's like a needle every night and it was so stressful. And then they were like, oh yeah, you can stop all that. We're not going to be open the day you need it. So did they reimburse you the money that you paid? No, because well, so I hadn't paid for the procedure, but the meds, I'd already been taking the meds. So that money was just gone. I hadn't paid for the- that's not right. I know. <laughs> not your fault. It was, I know. I was like so, so upset. And also at this point, I didn't really realize it. I thought I'd been handling it really well. But at this point, Brennan was like, you're, you were out of control, like hormonally. Like I was just all over the place emotionally. I remember one day he said something about like, Meredith, it's really annoying when you do this. And I would just turn around and I was like, you know, it's really annoying getting poked and prodded every two days, every morning before school. And he was like, oh, wow. Okay. We're talking about that now. All right. <laughs> I was just really emotional. But it then you, it's a lot of hormones. Well, exactly. I was just going to say, like, it totally makes sense that, like, even when you were thinking you were doing okay, that, you know, outside world was maybe not perceiving it so well. Um, but you're literally pumping yourself full of hormones to grow the follicles and to release the follicles. Yeah. And then you throw that added stress on of like, oh, yeah, sorry, four days before, by the way, we are not open. Like, how did they not look at a calendar? Well, I don't know. And I don't know if it was just like my schedule was weird that month or like someone missed it when we started. I don't know. It was not great. Um, but so that month was a, like a, a wash. Um, that's the thing too about fertility. You don't realize, I don't know if it's just because how you like how we learn about it in, in high school, but like they make it seem like you have sex unprotected one time and you're going to get pregnant. And then in reality, it feels like there's like one window one day window in a month where you can get pregnant absolutely no you're absolutely right like you spend your teen years being like and your early 20s usually like inundated with like you're gonna get pregnant if you have unprotected sex and then when you start having unprotected sex with the sole purpose of getting pregnant it doesn't work it is so hard i joked about like I want to refund on all that birth control I was on for like the whole first part of my 20s because clearly it wasn't doing anything yes exactly yeah. I totally agree with you and you know what's crazy it's like very I was very similar in the sense of like we were leading up leading up and they're like oh yeah so we're gonna be closed for two weeks over Christmas so this is not gonna happen like call us in the new year that's what they did to me yeah. too. that's crazy but like you I would know. think with the December people that they would be extra cautious and pay extra attention to when the holidays are. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the thing is, so you're pumping yourself full of hormones. The Christmas season is already stressful for a lot of people because there's a lot going on. And then, you know, you tell you like a few days before Christmas that, wait a minute, this isn't going to happen because it was supposed to happen Christmas Day. Like, are you... For real like I know 
Happy holidays. Plus, Christmas. Yeah. yeah, you're seeing family. Everyone's asking, like, oh, when are you guys going to have a baby? La, la, la. Yeah. Like, I'm trying. Close the clinic. <laughs> I need to cry right now because I have so many hormones because they canceled everything. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And also, just on my personal note, I started, I got my permanent teaching job. So, switch schools in November. So, like, there's just a lot going on. And also, um, not- not conducive like all those things adding up not conducive to like getting your body or your mind pregnant no no not good um the one nice thing about it was i knew going into like christmas holiday and our anniversary is new year's eve that i wasn't pregnant so there was like part of i could like enjoy um have a glass of wine whatever without like emotionally there was no release and get drunk yeah like yeah so many emotions yeah so then in january started the process again um so again with all the hormones and the needles actually that month we had a really stressful the so you take you you do an injection to encourage follicle growth and then on whatever day once they're grown you take a different injection to trigger release and the needle um, they like give it to you. It comes in a box and then you take the cap off and whenever you pull it down to get the right amount, there's a giant air bubble in the meds. Yeah. And so you have to take it between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. So like our clinic was closed, so we couldn't call them. And we're looking and like, this is a big bubble. So we had to call the manufacturers and like the nurse there, she was really helpful, but she clearly thought she was like, little bubbles are okay. And Brendan was like, no, it's like, I can see it on the thing. It's like it's massive I can't inject her with that so we had to like clear it and this whole thing and we were really afraid that she was gonna be like you just can't use that and we were gonna lose the whole like a month again it didn't end up happening it was fine we were able to clear it um but she was like you have to take it to your clinic tomorrow because like we need to like look at this why there shouldn't be a massive air bubble in it and I, that was the day I was like crying and I was like it's all gonna be ruined like done all these hormones again and but it ended up being fine um so and when we took it back the next day the nurse was like oh yeah you shouldn't have gone like you shouldn't have had to clear it that much like that's crazy they did refund us on that one because um it wasn't working it didn't matter I still like I I did get the meds so it ended up being fine um yeah and so then then it was sample day again so Brendan had to take the day off work and um he made me leave the house (laughs) um so he had to do it, drop his sample off like within the hour. So I think he had to drop it off between like eight and eight thirty, because um, it's all like a very strictly timed procedure. Yeah. Hold on. And so what? Why did they have to do a sample again for him? Because they already figured I, out. His I needed that to get or... pregnant. They were doing. Oh, IUI. gotcha. So they gotcha. were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So this is like this the sperm they were going to use to yeah. inseminate me. Okay. So Making he sense. went to the. The good stuff yeah so they take the sample so he'd drop it off by 8 30 um and then they wash it so they like put it in a centrifuge and they take out so you're just getting the good like the good swimmers yeah the um, strong ones. so they do that yeah and then i had to go in at 10 so this is january of 2020 so pre-covid so brendan could come with me um which was great and it was just in my fertility clinic um doctor's office which was good um so we just went in I had three mature follicles 
that day. So my risk of multiples was pretty high. Um, so we go in, the nurses there, the nurses at our fertility clinic were amazing. Um, go into the room, they show you the sample, which doesn't really apply to like a married couple, but if you're using, or a, a couple that's using their own sample, if you're using a donor, they like confirm like this is the like correct name, like this is who you want, um, didn't apply to us. She told us it was a good sample. You like both see it, you verbally confirm like, yep, that's Brendan, Brendan matches. Um, she told us it was a good sample. I didn't really know what that meant. But she was like, yeah, it was a good sample. Okay. Um, and then for the procedure itself, it basically just feels like a really long pap. Um, so it's not comfortable, but it's not really like, I, I wasn't in pain really. So you like lie down on the table, your legs are in the stirrups, they use a clamp to like open your cervix, and then they sort of spend some time putting, putting like a tube in, and then they basically have a syringe with this for a minute, and they sort of push it in. I guess before that, this was the part that was like long, just like I have to spend some time like getting the orientation correct so that we're giving basically the sperm the best chance to meet, meet an egg, because my eggs were still just being released sort of medicated so this is still on the sperm and the egg counting on like them meeting in my uterus so that's the whole thing only took about 10 minutes and then she slowly like pushed in the sample and I remember she said like okay guys this is it like happy baby thoughts like start thinking them um and that was when I started crying because I had been like doing well through the whole thing and that was when I started crying and Brennan was just like holding my hand and it was really nice that he was there I don't I can't imagine having to do it like alone, which I think has been happening since the pandemic. So then, and then they say, the nurse, they're really cute. They're like, okay, so there's no scientific evidence for this, but we are really superstitious. So if you just stay lying down for 10 minutes, um, that's like helpful. <laughs> okay. Um, so they leave and you just like lie on the table for uh, 10 minutes. I remember Brennan took like a picture of me because I was like crying and wanted to remember <laughs> all of it. And then they come back in and they're like, great job. You can go home. OPS, have sex tonight. Like, okay, thanks. Yeah, um, you're yeah. trying to yeah. add some more in there. Yeah, so she said like, then it's another um, deposit and uh, contractions in your uterus from an orgasm have, can help, I guess. That kind so, of yeah. yeah, I have actually heard that like orgasms mm -hmm. do kind of increase your odd like you're if you're trying to get pregnant having an mm -hmm. orgasm does help your odds so you're like pleasure me <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like a weird too I remember we came home and like it was we were both off like it was a school day we both should have been at work but we both just like came home and we were done I think I had to be there at 10 and we were home by 11 like it's not a long it's not a long procedure we also live really close to our clinic, but it was home and like, and I was like, what do you want to do now? And I was like, oh, you want to watch a movie? Like, I don't know. It's middle of the day. This is super weird. Um, yeah. And like we had both, Brendan was like, I could have made it back for like my afternoon half day, but we didn't know, like they say, like, you don't know how you're going to feel, like give yourself the day. So it was kind of a nice day. Like we just um, hung out. And then that was the longest two weeks of my life. Um because it's the two-week wait. Yeah. So I had to take meds. Um, you take progesterone, I guess, 
in the second half to support a healthy pregnancy. Um, That's a suppository, vaginal suppository. I I use those. Was yours the um, like tampon? shot like yeah. kind of like a tampon applicator yeah. gel applicator yeah I use yeah. those as well yeah. after after Finn no sorry after yeah after my miscarriage when I was pregnant with Freya I used the I used those suppositories after yeah. that yeah mm-hmm. so you actually I guess I've been taking them after each like each round of timed and the one in August. So that was my fourth month because if there's a chance you're going to be pregnant, it's helpful. So you take it. And then when you're not pregnant, they say like, you can stop taking them. So I did do that. That one you do just before bed and because it can cause it le- discharge or something. It leaks. It's messy. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It, it really does. It leaks. It does. It's messy. It's just, yeah, not comfortable. And you know what? I, I, had, I had to take progesterone with, when I was pregnant with Finn and with Maeve as well, but I used different suppositories. They didn't really give me an option. Like that was the thing. I don't know if it was just our clinic or whatever. They would just be like, this is the medication you have to buy. It costs this much money. And like, yeah. there wasn't like a cheaper version or a like non-name brand. So I think it was like two, uh, 200 bucks for like yeah. 12 or 14 applicators. Yeah. Um, wow. Pricey. 250 it's maybe. All, yeah. It's, it was a lot. Um, lucky we have benefits like through being a teacher. So that was good. It was um, covered. IUI was not covered. So we just paid for that um, out of pocket. Um, But our benefits didn't cover IUI. Um, Yeah. So it was the longest two weeks and my fertility clinic used like an online portal to send information and blood work results. And if you're pregnant, so I had, it was hooked up to my phone in that I got a text message saying like, you have a new message in your portal, but I had purposely never put the login on my phone because I didn't want to be tempted to check without Brendan. So I remember on the day, so like the IUI was on a Wednesday. So two Wednesdays later before school, I went in, had the ultrasound, got the blood work. Um, Actually, I guess I didn't have an ultrasound. It was just blood work just blood work that morning. And then I got the text at like 11 AM that was like, there's a message in your portal. And I was like, now I have to wait until I get home to like open it with Brendan. And he coaches wrestling and it was like gearing up to OFSA. So he's like, yeah, just have an important practice or just I was like, come home. Like I can't, I'm losing my mind. Um, and then I was pregnant. It was like crazy to read in an email. Um, I purposely hadn't taken a pregnancy test. Um, they tell you like, they kind of say like, don't take a pregnancy test. And if you do, and you get a negative, don't like, it could be wrong. Don't read into it. They said, but if you take a test and it's positive, let us know. Like if it's before the two week wait. And I just, it's silly, but I had these superstitions. Like I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm just going to wait. Um, so finding out we were pregnant via email was kind of a weird experience but ex- but exciting um, kind of like anticlimactic almost yeah yeah so they don't it was they very don't strange call, eh? like no. you think that they would call because like if you're not pregnant like well yeah so the past so the past three months I had found out I wasn't pregnant via email like I'd yeah. gotten the message that was like sorry you're not pregnant like oh. stop taking the yeah that's a hard that's so like a really sad like that must be really hard to like because you're not necessarily in private when you're getting that email right 
Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the reason too. I didn't put it on my phone. Cause I didn't, I knew I would be tempted to look probably at school because like I checked my email a lot at school. So I had been like worried about that. Um, yeah. So it was, I remember we were like, kind of was like, what do we do now? Should we go out for dinner? And I was like, okay. Like we went out and had like a celebration being like being pregnant and that was exciting, but it was also like, I was um, really scared. I like, I'm very lucky. I've never had a miscarriage, but I was really like, like just afraid that the other shoe was going to drop. Cause like this wasn't supposed to work and all this stuff. So I, I was really nervous. Um, but I, pregnancy stuck. So that was really good. Once you, um, got, once you got your positive, did you continue with your support, your progesterone suppository? Yeah. Till 10 weeks. Really? Um, yeah. It supports, again, it like it supports a, like a healthy pregnancy, I guess. Yeah. I it's supposed progesterone, suppos, like progesterone is supposed to hold a pregnancy. It's supposed to give you an increased chance of holding a pre- pregnancy. Um, so like you were holding it, you were taking it because of the work that was put in to mm-hmm. right the IUI. Yeah. Um, and I had taken it, I was given it because of, with Freya, because of my previous miscarriage. So they were trying yeah. to hold it. Yeah. And then with Finn and Maeve, I was taking it. I, I, w- I didn't take it. I started taking with Finn and Maeve, uh, like middle of second trimester, um, to the end, to, to the end of my pregnancies to oh, try wow. and avoid to hold the pregnancy to try and lengthen it to avoid premature again going premature again. interesting yeah yeah um I I know that if you at least our clinic so if you get pregnant via IUI or IVF like through the fertility clinic you're automatically considered a high-risk pregnancy so I was having like a ton of ultrasounds um which was a bit of a blessing actually because Brendan was able to come to my very first ultrasound, which you normally wouldn't have um, at like f- four weeks, or I guess I would have just been four weeks. So at six weeks, and he was able to come. So like, there's you can't really see anything. There's just like a little flicker. But that ended up being the only one he could come to because then it was COVID. Like like we went into worldwide pandemic lockdown, so he couldn't come after that. So he got to see one, which was really exciting. Yeah. Um, well, and but, it was the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was really like it was great that he could see that, and like they always were really great giving me pictures and stuff to to show him. But it was like a bummer he couldn't um, come come in. Yeah. So I was pregnant, and we were thrilled, and yeah. So that was January pregnancy. So October due date. Wow, that's what I was with all my kids. Yeah. Although the boys are end of September. Yeah. You were pregnant in January. Yeah. And you're like, yay. And then how did your pregnancy go? Did you, was it a good pregnancy? I, like, okay, obviously like with COVID, everything changes and gets thrown out the window, right? But mm-hmm. um, like, how, how did it go for you? So, so I was first found out we're pregnant. So you're four weeks pregnant when you find out, which is so weird because it's like, no, I only got pregnant two weeks ago, but it counts back to the first day of your cycle, first day of your last period. So I was four weeks pregnant. And then, um, and then, so I found out I was pregnant and then I got the flu. Um, and that was like awful, um, because I couldn't take anything. And that was also during the Ontario teachers, um, work to rule, like, um, 
striking our strays. Yeah. So I was newly pregnant with a new staff having the flu, stri- like walking up and down the road in the winter with a sign for hours at a time. It was Oh what- my gosh. Well, no one would have known you were pregnant either. No. Right? No. And I missed one day. I got a doctor's note for one um day because I like couldn't couldn't get out of bed and couldn't take anything um yeah so um I was I and then around six weeks the like nausea morning sickness hit me and it um it was really bad and I suffered through about a week just feeling awful and then I had an appointment they're like how are you doing I was like not good very sick and they were like oh why didn't you tell us we have medication for that you can like we can prescribe something and I was like oh great didn't know that Uh, so I got a prescription for diclectin and it helped a lot um so I was lucky in the sense that I never threw up I threw up maybe five times my whole pregnancy I just felt nauseous from like the moment when I woke up until the moment I went to bed Diclectin made it a lot easier to handle it never. So until about 24 weeks, I was still felt nauseous. And then after 24 weeks, I kept taking the meds and I didn't feel nauseous after then, but I kept seeing saying like, Oh, I'm going to stop taking the meds. Like I'm better. And then I would be fine for a day. And then the second day of no meds, the nausea would come back. So the midwives were like, just keep taking it. Like, why, why are you doing this? It's like, okay, and it's bad for the baby. They're like, it's not, it's just B12 and it's basically gravel. Yeah. So it's, it's safe for the baby. So, um, but other than the nausea, everything was good. Um, I was really worried there was going to be multiples. Um, t- like twins would have been, Brendan always said like, well, if it's multiples, then we're done. Like, that's it. You don't have to have any more babies. Um, the thing was, we lived in a really, really small place that we rented. So if it was more than one baby, we were going to have to figure something out because we weren't going to have room for anything. Um, part of me did hope like, oh, it'd be nice. If it was twins. And then we could just be like, we could be done and that would be it. But it was just one baby. Um, Although so, sometimes you have twins and then you still end up having more. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, um, the fact that it was only one baby and I had three mature follicles the doctor said like that gives us a little bit of an insight into like um what was going on with your fertility um because like in theory you should have had like you could have had three preg- like three um um like fertilized eggs easily so it's, there's something clearly going on um with eggs like sperm finding eggs or something so again not a con- concrete answer but an insight into what was going on. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that but they say that though. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting uh, that like they look at it not just the success of yes, we have one, mm-hmm. we have one fertilized, mm-hmm. we have one pregnancy, but like mm-hmm. they look at it the the flip side, saying okay, like this gives us a window as to like what could yeah. potentially be going on. Like there was two more eggs that, in theory, like if one was fertilized, clearly there was like one sperm was successful, so. Yeah, what happened to the other two? I don't know. Um, it's a kind of an example of you get what you get and you don't get upset. So <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had ultrasounds like every two weeks basically, and everything was looking good. I had a fall 
in the beginning of March. I just fell on my hip. It was not a big deal. I was, it was like the day before an appointment anyway. And I told her when I got there and she was like, oh yeah, everything looks good. Strong heartbeat, like no worries. Um, and everything was fine. And then at 13 weeks, you graduate from the clinic care into your like longer term care. So we had wanted to use a midwife. So we were done with the fertility clinic and moved into care of uh, the midwives, uh, so, which was exciting. Can I, why did you, what was your motivation or like what made you go the route of midwives as opposed to an OB? It's a good question. Um, it was something I think I'd always sort of like liked the idea of I even um I around the time I applied to teachers college I also sort of on a whim applied to midwifery school just because it's kind of like babies nah, I didn't get in so <laughs> wasn't in the cards um and <laughs> yeah um, so I I just like like the idea of it I liked um the idea of the postpartum care so a midwife comes to your house um, for your first two weeks of appointments. So like when you have to take the baby, like two days a week, whatever, whatever they come for the first two, maybe even four weeks, they come to the house to check, um, which ended up being such a blessing in a pandemic. Um, and yeah, so, and with everything that ended up happening with me, it was really great. Um, but I just really liked the, like, um, the model of care and the idea of being able to like labor at home for longer I never wanted to have a home birth I I wanted to have the baby in the hospital and Brennan was like insistent on a hospital birth he was like really afraid of something going wrong but I just liked the idea of um being able to stay at home a little bit longer also like our midwife clinic was so close to our house I could walk um I, I just like the, the the approach to care I guess um Kind of a more, it's, like, it's a, yeah. the more personal touch, the more personal, like yeah. relationship building. Mm-hmm. Um, normally I found out later, normally our clinic, so the uh, midwife clinic had, has six midwives and they're normally in teams of three and you're sort of guaranteed one of, one of the three that didn't end up happening. So I was technically on one midwife's caseload, but because of COVID. So basically a pandemic hit when I was like not even two months pregnant. So basically they were trying to minimize contact. So basically there was one midwife in the clinic only at a time. So basically whoever was on that day was who you got. So I there's six um, midwives in our clinic and I think I saw five of them like leading up like while I was pregnant, um, which was nice too, because I got to meet all of them because you never know who's going to be on call when you go into when labor. So that was really nice. Yeah. Um, so it was really nice to see them. And like normally Brennan, it's probably the same with an OB, but normally like Brennan could come to all the appointments and see that that didn't end up happening um, because of COVID. And um, the other great thing about our clinic is they put together um, like a prenatal group of all the October babies. So I know you guys have mentioned that's how you guys met was in your prenatal class. So we got like, we got really lucky. It was the October group of all um, moms like having their babies with um, our midwife clinic so oh that's great was, yeah it was really lovely um, so there were six of us in that group more babies were on the caseload but it's an optional like class to join so there's just six of us 
Um, and it's been really, really a wonderful like support network um, through really pregnancy. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And that class was great because there was so much I didn't know. And like, I thought I was like, I, I babysat growing up and like, I love kids. And I thought I, and then I was taking these classes and I was like, oh my God, I had no idea that any of this was going to happen. Yeah. And like that, cl that class was like prepping for labor delivery and like mm -hmm. pain management and like those things. And then yeah, so postpartum care. Yeah. So pregnancy. So like the first class was just about like, um, like how to stay healthy, how to manage like sleep and weight and all of that stuff for like moms leading up. And there was a class on breastfeeding, a class on labor, a class on um, like interventions. So like um, if you need a C-section, if you need an episiotomy, that kind of thing, that class was like majorly eye-opening. I didn't, there was they, so much I didn't. And know. like the forceps, did they talk about forceps yeah, in the vacuum? In the vacuum. Yeah. Um, breastfeeding. And then we did a class about, um, like care and like when, like when the newborn was there and like when to page the midwives and that sort of things. And like, you're looking for this many diapers and that kind of stuff. Um, and then there was like a pain part of the labor class was like the pain management, um, tactics. And like, if you want a home birth, if you want a hospital birth, sort of what you need to, do and I guess this is I'm thinking now why I like the midwife so much is like 24 hour like they have a pager number so if I woke up in the middle of the night and felt like something was wrong pregnancy I could page and there would be a midwife oh, wow. available to talk to me yeah that's nice. I never did that I was okay during pregnancy um, but like that's a really nice mm -hmm. feature to midwives for sure um, wow. and even more that is helpful postpartum so like on night three when the baby won't latch and everybody's crying you can call the midwife and they'll sort of talk you through it um if you need them wow yeah. and yeah. so and then so like um even though like throughout your pregnancy with the midwives you mm. were going to see them they only come to see you postpartum the first couple of weeks postpartum exactly yeah so I was going in um so I, I guess you go for an appointment every like month or so. Um, I, I assume it would be similar in timeline to an OB with a, yeah. like a low risk pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so went in and did that. I remember after my 20 week anatomy scan, I went in and the midwife's exact words were great ultrasound, very normal, unremarkable, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> So we made a lot of jokes about our unremarkable baby for <laughs> a long hey, time. But that's what you want, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I had an anatomy scan at 20 weeks. The nausea wore off around 24, 25 weeks. And then it was just um, sort of smooth sailing till October. Is there anything that you felt like you were missing with the midwives or that you... Or was it more so like with COVID that it was, you were missing things? COVID was the big one. Like Brendan couldn't come to any appointments. I mean, the midwives were great. I could like, I would FaceTime him in and he could like hear the heartbeat because um, they have the Doppler at the midwife appointments. But like, he never really got to meet any of the midwives, which was kind of disappointing. Um, but yeah, I, this was my first pregnancy. So I don't really have anything to compare it to. That's, yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. 
I just say I don't um like we'll get into this later when we talk about um my birth story but there was something that happened that it's like people since have said like oh I wonder if maybe it would have been different if you'd been in the care of an OB I don't I don't think it would have I I don't know it's like hard to it's hard to say like basically that what I'm sort of alluding to came down to like I didn't have an ultrasound after 20 weeks I don't know that an OB would have ordered an ultrasound after 20 weeks based on how everything was presenting I I, like I don't think it would have been different probably not not. Caroline didn't have one after 20 weeks Mm -hmm. because there was no reason like everything was fine so Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so like I don't think like a few, not my generation, but like my mom's, some of my mom's friends have been like, well, she'd had an OB. And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I don't think an OB would have ordered, like there was no, like you said, there's no reason. Everything was fine. There was no reason to have an like heartbeat, like everything was fine. So and yeah, it was great. Like I felt good. Yeah. Yeah. They probably, yeah. yeah. Because with Caroline, everything was normal and 20 weeks is the last time I had an ultrasound with her whereas with the boys I was going all the time right for sure yeah yeah and I I was feeling good we went back to school I went back to school in September but I was distance learning so I was really tired just from like teaching online it was just different but I was generally feeling really good and I was um tired because I had some pregnancy insomnia which I didn't know was a thing like I'd never heard anyone talk about that it's bad but like your body's like recommend it's like your body's preparing you for not sleeping before the baby comes which drove me crazy because I was like I already know how to be tired like I don't need to practice (laughs) I need to sleep (laughs) but yeah um yeah it was I I was I felt very lucky um to be pregnant and I was of course disappointed with the COVID stuff but it was a pretty like being nauseous sucked and taking meds sucked but being pregnant I was like excited and it was summer and like I knew I was only going back to work like to teaching for like five weeks and then I would be off so it was good it was a good pregnancy overall thank you for listening to this episode of that pregnancy podcast if you have any questions comments or ideas for an upcoming show we would love to hear from you you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at best life moms club until next time